Rappers and them Cartiers I do my thing any harder way And if you know where we're going Then you probably gonna be coming with us All right, welcome back to another episode of Mainly Celtics uh, Matt Money, how you doing today? Pretty good um, Pretty excited for the uh, the season's getting closer and closer. I believe with it, we're within two weeks now. Yeah. So of, of at least preseason basketball. So yeah. it'll be nice to see some Celtics again. Nice for have some stuff to talk about other than uh, just kind of minor news and notes. Mm-hmm. On the topic of minor news, the uh, preseason roster was finalized this week. Uh, we had uh, three more additions that we haven't <laughs> talked about. Um, Garrison Matthews, Ryan Archidiakono, and who's the third? Oh, Theo Pinson. Yeah. Um, do any of the- I didn't even see the news because I saw the Matthews. Say it again. Sorry. I was just saying I didn't really I didn't really see the Pinson news. I saw the other two, so I wasn't really um looking too much into what, what Theo Pinson does well. But the other two are shooters. But they yeah. also are guards, which is just like I don't know if we need any more guards on this roster. I think we need more wings and forwards, right? Um, just to be safe. But I guess it really doesn't matter if they're like your fifteenth man. So yeah. um, I probably like Diakno a little bit better, Archer Diakno. Um, for what reasons? Because I have a different. Um, I like him because he's a good shooter. Oh, I think Garrison Matthews is better. But he's also like a little bit. Uh, he's got decent size. He's played some pretty uh, significant roles on uh, NBA teams. So I just I just think like him being more of an NBA player and a guy that's already been a contributor to an NBA roster is going to be a little bit more helpful. I know Garrison Matthews was basically a spot up shooter last year, but I think I think he's played less of a role, um, less of an important role than say our. Echno has in the past. Want a little bit of veteran veteran presence. Okay, but uh, listen to this. Last year, um, or in two years, in his in Garrison Matthews' um, NBA career, two years, he's hit thirty nine percent of two hundred and forty four threes. Um, last year, in the ninety six percentile of spot up shooting. Uh, what is EFG estimated field goal efficient effective so it's like okay. three pointers three pointers are weighted more heavily than two pointers okay so the EFG of last year 57.6 percent on catch and shoot opportunities and that's uh 39 percent from three um for a team that really could not shoot the ball outside of two players last year I feel like that's something a guy you roll the dice on on the end of the bench um, and a guy who's put up shots and made 40% of his threes, you know, um, that's, that's the type of player you roll the dice on, on that 15th spot. Yeah. The, the reaction that I'm seeing online is that these guys, the two guys we're talking about, Archie Diakno and, um, and Matthews, they are, more uh more polished than the end of the bench guys last year uh Carson Tremont and Taco guys like that much better much better um ceiling much higher ceiling than those 
three guys that I talked about. So um, even though the uh, the roster is pretty big at the moment, there are 20, I mean, which you can take into camp and then whittle down. Um, I think those two guys have a fighting shot at uh, at the 15th, 14th, 15th spot on the bench. What do you think? Yeah. Um, well, I think with those three we talked about today, I think it's Jabari Cornette and um, Juwan Morgan. I would rather probably take one of the forwards just because I think depth-wise, like I just don't see a spot for another guard. Yeah. And unless unless we're planning on moving, say, like a Josh Richardson pretty soon, which seems like weird that we'd give him an extension and then immediately move him. Or we have something else in the works to maybe ship one of our guards out for another forward. But I would just rather see um, – one of those forwards stick around just in case, uh, say, Hernan Gomez or Grant Williams isn't playing up to what we expect them to. I at least mm-hmm. like think Jabari's uh, Jabari's floor is pretty high, and you know what you're going to get with him. He's obviously not going to be a defender. He's not going to really space the court, but he's at least a guy that can get his own shot, and I think that's helpful. And I like having a guy with at least a skill I can trust mm-hmm. and someone that I think will be able to play a role if those other guys um, just don't fair enough i like that um i personally for me i think jabari should have a spot no for no uh, no matter what and then i think you take uh i correct me if i'm wrong but um it's you can only have two-way players on that are on their third year of NBA service time or less, correct? Right. It's going to be young guys or like international guys like trying to make it or guys that have been G League players, I believe. So I don't believe that Archie Diaco – I think this is his fourth year in the league. I don't think Archie Diaco is eligible. I don't think he's eligible for a two-way deal. Well, I don't think he'd want a two-way deal either. Like, I think those guys, they'd rather test their luck and try and find an NBA deal somewhere else or try and write out 10-day contracts rather than playing on a two-way deal, like, even if they were eligible. Because they're, like, guys that have played fairly significant roles in NBA teams. Like, I don't know why they'd, they'd settle for a two-way deal. Um, yeah, and no they, no, they can't play in the playoffs. No, they can only play a certain amount of games. And I'm pretty sure the money's way less than even if they were to do a vet man. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, yeah. I, I guess my takeaway is that I hope one of those two guys gets the last spot and Jabari is on the roster. What do you think about that? Um, I don't know numbers wise. I can't think of it's 15 or 16. So it's 15. That means we only have one, but I also don't know if our two way players count towards that. I don't believe they do. So I, I, I wouldn't mind having to, yeah, I wouldn't mind like adding one of the shooters or I mean, adding Matthews or uh, Archdiac. You know, either one would be fine. Like I said, like, I don't think they're going to play a significant role anyways. Um, yeah. Just maybe a guy that can come in and just, like, be steady as that 15th man. Like, say, when we have a couple guys resting or one or two guys injured, just to provide mm-hmm. um, some minutes for a couple games, a couple games in a row. Yeah, that's my thinking as well. If the, if the, spot, if the spots are open. Yeah, which – like I said, I, I, don't, I can't remember if the two-way deals count against the, the spots or not. I'm pretty positive that they don't. You can have 15 rostered and then two. Uh, yeah, but so I think that maybe means 
Um, I think it gives Juwan. I don't know about Theo Pinson, the name. I know he's been playing in the NBA. I don't know where. I can't remember where exactly he, he in was. Brooklyn. He played in Brooklyn most recently. I think he started out in Detroit. Yeah, and I know that Juwan Morgan, I think, is eligible for a two-way deal. Like He hasn't had enough service time or played long enough. I think he's eligible for a two-way deal, so maybe they take a flyer on him. Mm-hmm. And then maybe they go with one of the guards, hoping yeah. that maybe one of the three of – or maybe they just go with Jabari and um, Juwan Morgan and just hope that one of those four guys that they have, the power forward position, can provide meaningful backup minutes to Jason Tatum. Fair, yeah, that, that's – Yeah. Um, so, do you want to get right into our favorite moments now that we've uh, talked about the news? Or yeah. do, you need, do you need a couple more minutes to think about so you're, you're number two? Nope, I got them. Okay. Um, you want to start with three to one or one to three? Yeah, three to one. Three to one. Okay. Uh, you want to start with your number three, or do you want me to start with mine? We'll go back and forth. Yeah, I'll start. Um, my so the so as a little bit of a precursor, we're doing these uh, of our lifetime, correct? Yeah, like I'm not gonna add like Larry Bird down a scoring fifty left-handed because I didn't watch it. I'm not even gonna add like the 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 comeback and uh, against the the Pacers because I. I was, I think, five years old or something like that. Yeah. So I, I didn't watch it. So it doesn't, it was not meaningful to me. I think it's not like best moments, it's like most meaningful. Okay. Yeah. Um, of our lifetime. Um, and we'll just sort of talk about them for a little bit. My number three moment is uh, game three of the um, 2008 Eastern Conference Finals against Orlando. And, uh, Rondo lays out on the ground against uh, Jameer Nelson and picks the ball up, dives between his legs. Um, like I said, that was game three of the Eastern Conference Finals, um, and it just set the tone. I mean, they Orlando was the team that they kept uh, coming up against in the in the finals in in the East, and uh, this moment sort of put the put the nail in the coffin of that series. Um, I don't think they swept them, but um, I think it was at least or at maximum a five-game series. Let me just take a quick look. Yeah, I didn't take this necessarily as a like specific like moments or shots. I kind of took it more as like games and like series, like yeah. moments in time. Um, so you find that I guess I give my number three. My number three is the two thousand ten. Uh, Eastern Conference semis where we officially end LeBron's tenure in Cleveland. West will inbound. Often you see the guy who throws the inbound pass get it back right away for a three-point attempt. West has hit some threes already here this afternoon. James gets it, fires up a quick three. Won't go. Smith the rebound. Back out, stolen by House, and that'll do it. The Celtics are going back to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since 2002. Okay. Um, Rondo went went crazy that game, I think, or that whole series. I think I pulled up. I think he averaged, like, where I had that listed somewhere. Um, yeah, so he had – he averaged – where was that? I think he averaged, like, 20 points. He had 20 points, uh, 6.3 boards, and almost 12 assists a game. 
So he just went bonkers. Um, LeBron was was doing his best on the other side. I think LeBron averaged near triple double, averaging twenty five a game, mm-hmm. but it just didn't matter because the team around him. And you can kind of tell in that series that was the end for him. There had been rumors all along, yeah. and that was just a great moment because um, it was a team, the Celtics team, that really got off to kind of a shaky start. It looked like it started to become the beginning of the end for the Boston Celtics as like the dynasty of like the big three era. But right. they were able to defeat uh, LeBron in the playoffs. They looked much better. Um, they were a little bit older of a team, but I think they were able to get rest throughout the season. Obviously, coming off 09, where they, I think, were favorite, were, were definitely title favorites. Yeah. And the KG injury really derailed that. Mm-hmm. But I think in 2010, they came back and they were once again, like they were so close to, to winning the title and title. Nope. And, it's tough losing the Lakers, but I think that moment in time where it's it's like they ended LeBron's tenure, the first first trip in Cleveland. Yeah. And I thought it was an awesome moment. It was an awesome series. Um, and that was one where I was starting to get a little bit older. Like, even 08, I don't, like, remember it because I was still pretty young. But 2010, um, I was a little bit older, had a little bit better memory of it. And that was when my hatred of LeBron was, like, at its peak, really. So it was very, it was very cool to see them uh, eliminate them there. That is neat. Um, I was, I've been seeing a lot of like uh, prime Rondo on Twitter, a lot of talk about Rondo and it's incredible to go back and watch that footage. Um, but uh, he's being compared to Ben Simmons a lot. And I think the big difference is like Ben Simmons doesn't have that dog in him. Like, like Rondo no. does like Rondo yeah. can turn on a switch and become like the greatest player on the planet. Yeah, which no, is crazy. Rondo, Rondo could take shit over at what? Well, how tall is he? Six one. Yeah, and he, like he wasn't a shooter, but occasionally he's like one of those guys. I mean, even you say that about like Draymond. Like Draymond's yeah. another guy gets compared to Ben Simmons a lot. Like Draymond hit like what seven threes in the uh, in uh that one of those finals games for the Warriors. Yeah. Like it's like Rondo could do that kind of stuff. Rondo could go out and just randomly grab twenty rebounds. Rondo could throw like eighteen assists. He could go off score and like drop well he could just do so much and you never knew when it was going to happen but he was one of those guys where he's always uh he's always a great passer but you never know when he was just going to explode for some some crazy stat line yeah carry a team i remember when i was younger there was i just i vividly remember a strange clip from like espn they were doing like a horse tournament or something and it was uh chris paul versus rondo and they were just like going back and forth, trading, trading 30, 30 footers. Like Rondo would not miss. I mean, like he's, although he's, he gets a, a rep, uh, the rep as a, not a great shooter. He could still knock down anything you needed him to. I mean, there are countless times, countless videos of like step back jump shots that he's burying from 15 to 18 feet, you know? Um, I remember two, three years ago, he for the when the for the Lakers, he beat the Celtics on a jump shot from the elbow. You know, like yeah, that was tough. That That was tough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the I the Ben Simmons comp is strange to me, just because they both can't shoot. I mean, Ben Simmons cannot shoot, and Rondo can. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with like Draymond Green. Obviously, Draymond Green hasn't shown the ability to do that then, but like. He wasn't a good shooter. Neither was Rondo, but they had the ability to be like decent enough where occasionally if you leave them open, they can just catch fire. 
And yeah. Rondo was a different beast in the fact that like he could get hot, then all of a sudden he becomes a good shooter. Right. Like then you're closing out on playing tough D and he's hitting like pull up pull up jumpers in your face. But mm-hmm. um, so that was my number three. Yeah. So what was your number two? Uh game six of the two thousand eight finals. Game um, six, okay. The no, that that's when they uh won the Larry O'Brien and uh they beat the Lakers 131 to 92, I believe. And yeah, that was kind of an unceremonious ending. I mean, the the I well, I recently watched this game um on YouTube and uh there was a moment where it was like 35 to 31, and then you look away for five minutes and it's 68 to 38, you know, like they just went on a 30 to nothing run in the middle of the second. And it was at the garden to like blew the Lakers out. And that's, that's one of the better feelings in basketball to see the Lakers lose. Right now. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. So I, I have another uh, another moment I'll kind of talk about later on with that one, though. But, yeah, the, so that Celtics team was, like, able to get on some big runs. Yeah. Um, my number two was the, the China game, the Isaiah Thomas game, too, of the first round. Yeah. Where it dropped, I believe, 53 points. Yep. But that one was one of those ones. I mean, it really was that whole 2017 playoffs for yeah, Isaiah true. Thomas. Like, that was my moment because, like, I started that. I knew that was one of the moments I wanted. And then I kind of remembered, like, he he helped. Obviously, the first round, they were able to win. They were able to get to the, the Eastern Conference Finals where the Cavs smoked him. But even in that, like, he was playing hurt throughout it. Um, he obviously had the weight of, like, his his young sister. Like like he said, I think it was supposed to be her 23rd birthday at the time. Yeah. Um, he had that weight on his shoulders. He was playing through injury. He was playing his heart out. Um, if you weren't a fan of Isaiah Thomas before that before that playoff run, I think you definitely were after. I think that's a lot of the reason that playoff run was a big reason why he's so yeah. endeared in most most Celtics fans' hearts. And that yeah, was just exactly. I was just about to say. I mean, he cemented his legacy and he cemented uh, undying love from every Celtics fan there is during that series. That's that playoff run. It's her birthday today. Happy birthday. She would have been 23 today. So everything I do is for her. And she's watching over me. So that's all her. And, I mean, uh, hopefully hopefully he gets picked up by a team soon. I know the Warriors were seriously interested with him. But I guess he left uh, He left camp without a – or he left the, War, yeah, the Warriors um, facility without a official offer, even though he looked really good. I guess yeah. some other guards. They just so hopefully he bounces around. To to Avery Bradley. Yeah, it was Avery Bradley, and I think there was one more. They, they sent another guard that they added to the, the training camp roster. But either way, hopefully he picks up on a team soon. But hopefully, that was my number yeah. two. All right, my number one comes from that same run, and it's uh, uh, Kelly Olenek's game seven against the, the Wizards. He's been unmatched here tonight. Wall has missed his last seven attempts. Thomas comes to the ball. Olenek for two. Yes. 
look for if you're Brad Stevens to make that switch and get smart back on Beal. 33 for Beal. It's a five-four game. Olenek, Kelly, Kelly Olenek with a three. And go. Beal is eight of eight at the free throw line. 101-97 Celtics. Halfway point of the fourth quarter of Game Seven. Olenek again. Bradley will get it to the big man. Shot clock is down to four. Olenek goes to work. Porter there defensively. Olenek gets the roll. Kelly Olenek can do no. He's defending Bradley. We'll see if the Celtics look to take advantage there. Thomas the jab step. Olenek a three. Oh, Kelly Olenek. Um, it only it was only. Uh... I think it was, he ended up with 17 points and eight rebounds, but it was the the coolest 17 points you could have found. Like, plus it's game seven, Kelly Linux knocking down deep triples, fate like in the in the mouth of other of John Wall, considered one of the better defensive point guards at the time. Guys like this and Kelly's spinning to the basket, taking a ones and banking it home, sliding around on the floor. Plus, like, seeing him pump his fist and, like, and bump chest with, the uh, with like, Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley and these really intense intense guys, seeing the fact that they're, they're uh, Kelly's teammates really um, took to him taking the spotlight and having, a, having a, the game of his life, which then turned into a three-year, $52 million deal in Miami after that series yeah I mean Kelly Olenek was a guy that I always I I wanted him initially yeah because I saw him in college and I was like wow he's like the greatest offensive center I've ever seen he can shoot he can post stuff he can do all this stuff clearly that was not the right decision but mm-hmm. I always like of course tried to defend him as best I could because I was so like wanted the Celtics game so bad at the time yeah and that game was very uh very uh trying to think of the right word for it but it made, it made me very happy you know because mm-hmm. I, I finally i finally got what i wanted i finally got uh kelly olenic proving his worth yeah so that was, was an, nice to it see. was an affirmation yeah there you go affirmation of, of my hopes and wishes it does suck obviously because i'm pretty sure they trade up to um from the pick they trade up to get kelly olenic they trade up a couple picks and the pick that went after kelly olenic was Giannis, obviously so Right. Probably would have rather have Giannis if I'm if I'm being honest here. But either way, I, I do I did like Kelly Olenek. I'm glad that he was popping off in Houston this year. Mm-hmm. But he just re-upped with them, correct? I believe so. Yeah, I think him and him and Tyser together. That's a weird roster. They have a lot of centers, and I don't know I don't know why because their their best players Christian Wood. So I don't really understand that logic. But I I, I mean I don't know what's going on down there down in houston so no me either but yeah that's my number one moment of uh at least the past 15 years so um my number one was game four of the 2008 finals and there's just the 2008 finals kind of as a whole but i look specifically at game four so if you don't remember game four they're up two to one Mm -hmm. um headed in the game and they immediately got down um to a mass, they a massive deficit. I believe it was a twenty-four point deficit in like the second quarter. Uh, Lamar Odom was absolutely going off. 
and they wound up closing it and getting the lead. I think they went on a 21 to three run at one point, in the second half in order mm-hmm. to take the lead. They were able to hold on. I think we got a big, uh, big performance. I believe it was James Posey that had the big game. I think I had that up there. So James, I think it was James Posey had a huge game um, for the Celtics and obviously Pierce and Ray Allen and Garnett, they contributed. They weren't really at their best that game, but it was still enough. And, just looking back at some of those games, some of those scores were like ugly. Yeah, seriously, there were there some were, some were like seventy like, something points. Like, yeah, seriously. <laughs> but no, that game, that game was obviously awesome. Like seeing the comeback, um, and that really t- I feel like helped turn the series because that's a two-two series, it's a completely different ball game rather than being up three-one. They wound up winning in six, yeah. but if that's two-two, like probably a good chance that goes seven. Mm-hmm. You never know what happens in a game seven, especially with a. With, with with the Lakers, we know how that how that goes late yeah. in the series. So, so that was an awesome moment, as well as of course the actual uh, celebration. The anything is possible, like speech is obviously uh, very kind there. of well known. Like it's a it's a it's a big big time speech, and just like when you think about like Celtic success of the recent years, like that's definitely I think the first thing you think of. Yeah, it is a, a Lonely Island song. I mean, that's when you know you've made it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But no, that was definitely my number one moment. Just because I remember, like, I like I said, like we were talking about, I think a couple of weeks ago, like I really got into basketball like the year before. I was really mm-hmm. just watching baseball when I was younger. Really got into basketball, and it was like very cool to see them instantly become like good after one year. It was just a really fun team to root for overall. It really was, yeah. A lot of characters, a lot of heart, a lot of really good talent, too. Yeah. It's good to see them all getting recognized. I know uh, at least Paul Pierce and uh, KG's getting his jersey retired this year. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to see those guys honored. I don't think Rondo will ever get honored. I just kind of think his tenure is quite long enough. But I think Rondo will forever be uh, held in high regard in Celtics fans' hearts. Absolutely. Do you think Ray Allen gets his jersey retired? No. No. Neither. Not in a million years. No. So. Have they given it out recently? I feel like someone's going to have it, right? I mean, Hayward wore it. I think Jabari was Yeah. Wearing. Yeah, Jabari's wearing that, too. I knew someone. Yeah, Hayward wore it. Yeah. Um, no one wore five in between, did they? I don't think so. Because um, usually usually they'll do it like um, – they'll do like a ghost retirement where if they think they're going to retire the jersey, they won't have anyone wear it. Like, that's what I've noticed. I believe the Red Sox have done that with Jason Veritek and Tim Wakefield's number. What was that, 33 and 49? Yeah, I don't think anyone's worn it since, which is, like, 49, like, okay, maybe just no one picks number 49. Like, that's yeah. whatever. But 33, like, you'd think would be a pretty popular number. Yeah, you're right. Um, I don't know. I would have to double-check on that. Um, I bet those two – and Pedroia are the next two, the next numbers that get retired. Yeah. And then, then soon after Bogarts. But. Right. <laughs> They're going to start looking like the Celtics with all these numbers retired. I know. But I mean, I, honestly, I mean, Pedroia's run was pretty short when you really think about it. Yeah. But I mean, when, when did that Machado? Yeah. Obviously, his peak was very high. But when did that Machado slide happen? Was that. 16 oh it was before that um really so i mean like because he came into the league in 07 right yeah so you didn't even have rookie of the year and then in 2008 won mvp 
Yeah. So he didn't even have ten years. He didn't have. Did he have? He did he even have like ten years of like playing? No, I don't think so. That's wild. Yeah, because I remember like twenty eighteen. He was oh, trying, he, trying to. He come was. Up. He was. He was rostered for ten years. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he was, was rostered for ten years. That's what I'm saying. Year. Yeah. yeah, as I'm saying though, I was like, I remember he tried to come back in 2018, tried to come back in 2019, mm-hmm. and it just just didn't happen. Yeah. But I couldn't remember when it happened. It must so it must have been like 2016 or 2015 that happened because that was the beginning of the end. I think it was honest. Oh uh, no, maybe it was 15. I can look it up real quick. Yeah, because Pedroia. I know I personally wasn't the biggest Dustin Pedroia fan. Um, I was no, it was it was April 2017. Really? Okay. Yeah, I think, I thought it was because like I know like 2018 like there's legit thought that he was gonna come back and like just be the starting second baseman because we had what's his name uh, Kinsler right? Yeah, right. So it was like oh if Pedroia comes back and he's like 75 percent of what he was like that'd be a huge addition. And then that just never happened. Then like 2019 is like oh maybe he'll be able to come back and still be able to produce. And then he had more setbacks and then eventually he just called the quits but mm-hmm. so he had about he had about 10 solid years but enough two, to get your, uh, only, enough only to one get your really yeah you yeah he only won one he only was there for the 20 2013 champ technically is 2018 but like he really didn't contribute at all right so i don't know i mean i really haven't looked at his resume like it like the red sox usually aren't too too willing to like just retire numbers willy-nilly like mm-hmm. so I, I don't know like honestly like i think probably i'm in, in the minority here thinking that Pedro doesn't get his number retired but i i just don't know if he's got the, the 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 longevity i think that would be the only thing holding him back i mean he's beloved in boston yeah for sure i i do think there's probably probably a good chance um I still, I still hate Manny Machado for that, though. Yeah, pretty punk ass move. Yeah, I do like. Only four all stars, and only won one silver slugger. I don't. I don't know, know dude. That's yeah. tough. Like it is. his peak really wasn't that long. No. Because he went on a run. I, I mean, he started pretty late. I mean, he started when he was twenty three years old. I guess not pretty late, but. He went on a run. He made an all-star game, and I mean, he just caught. He, yeah, I don't know. This one's weird. It is strange. Just looking know. at his, looking at his numbers, like after, after, after really the, tw- yeah, after twenty thirteen, it really started kind of go downhill. He's pr- he's still what? Even he's really after twenty eleven, hitter, a career three hundred hitter. Um, two ninety nine. Damn, that stinks. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Who was it? Someone? I think it was. Uh, wasn't John Crook the one that finished with? I believe he finished with a three hundred batting average exactly and one hundred home runs, like on the dot. Really? It's like that's pretty cool when you do stuff like that. Yeah. That like, is. I think Kobe's uh points per game is like twenty five exactly, which is like another one like pretty cool to like get like a, a round number like that. Yeah. That is neat. Well, do you have any more uh, takes or uh, things you want to drop on us? I'm thinking, trying to cook something up over here. Did you Did you see the cat news? 
or not really the cat news like the but he's just pissed off they fired the gm without telling yeah him. but the gm i guess was like i don't know like banging a uh like lower level employee like in the offices at the timberwolves facility Damn. so like not really a great look so i think that it's probably like justified yeah that they do that um but wiggins won't be able... so also wiggins I don't know yeah. what's going to happen to him. Did you, see, you saw the Wiggins news, right? I did, yeah. He, he, won't won't be able, be, he won't be able to play home games if he doesn't get Yeah, it. which is, like, tough. It's, like, if you're the Warriors, like, you have to trade him, right? Right, yeah. Because, like, what happens if you, like, host a playoff series and, like, that's still in effect? And, mm-hmm. like, they're not even host, but what if they're, like, you're game-clinching or um, you, like, must-win game at home and you just can't have a guy making, I think, near max contract or a max contract at this point yeah. just not suiting up like you just can't you can't, you can't just eat that so no, we'll he, see maybe maybe we'll try and get something done for ben simmons that's what i'm thinking i know that's a shit uh, that's gonna that's the shit that's gonna like piss me off though because then they're just gonna get ben simmons for literally just like wiggins straight up because the sixers have like no leverage right now or they're like wiggins in a pick or something like that or wiggins in a couple picks yeah from what I'm hearing about this is that the Sixers are really trying to take take advantage of whatever leverage they do have um, because they know – well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if they know this, but what I'm thinking – they like the news that I'm hearing is that Ben Simmons might have to sit out. Um, I, the Sixers are – from all that I'm hearing, they're content with letting this ride you know like no so so is ben simmons though ben simmons is like sure dude i don't care because the way his contract structure too is like you take a percentage of his i'm sure rich paul's gonna do with this but you take like a percentage of how much money they're making but like his new contract like financially doesn't kick in until like much later in the year so he's still only getting fined from his like his uh like rookie deal yeah so he's like not really losing a ton of as much money as you would think no and I also, but, I also think, I think it's like November 15th or something when, when that salary year kicks in, it's immediate $16 million to him, no yeah, matter, so no I matter think, if he's sitting out or not. Yeah. I just don't think he really cares as much. I think he rather just wants to get put in a different, like the, the Sixers have no leverage though. Like, cause like Ben Simmons, yeah, he's a great player. He's an all-star caliber player. He is not going to win a championship as your best player. So you cannot ask these teams. Um, to trade like trade away their best players plus assets in order to get him like like Sacramento's like we're not trading away De- De'Aaron Fox like how does that make us that much better right. we just have this massive contract on our hands and you're asking for picks like we're not we're not going to do that we're not going to mortgage our future plus our best all-star massive chemistry we're not mm-hmm. ready to win right now with him anyway so what's the point in getting him that's what I'm like if you're a rebuilding team like what's the point taking on a massive contract right now if you're a right. contending team like why are you they want your best player. So, like, why would you be willing to give up an all-star caliber player in order to get a guy that's, at best, like, going to be a lateral move and they're going to ask for picks? Yeah, right. Like, because just go around the league. Like, how many teams you legitimately think are, like, would be willing to give up their best player? Like, even their second best player. Like, I know the Celtics wouldn't give up Jalen Brown for Ben Simmons. No. I know the Heat probably wouldn't give up Bam for Ben Simmons. Um, or Jimmy Butler. Trying to think of other – yeah, whichever one you consider their number one or number two. That's what I was, just, I was saying number two. I was assuming Jimmy was number one. But yeah. Okay. Um, so the two que- two questions I have for you about personnel: um, Would Portland move CJ McCollum 
and would Dallas move Porzingis? Dallas would love to move Porzingis. If I'm Philly, I would not want that in a million years. Like that doesn't just why? that just doesn't help them because they don't need another guy that's gonna be a like I don't know. It's like then you have a lineup of Tobias Harris, um, Chris Porzingis, and Joel Embiid. Like that would be your your front court, which mm-hmm. is just like I think big, not very not really elite defensively. Like you obviously have Embiid, it's gonna be a lot of size, so it probably will be a solid back uh, solid defense. But like Chris stops it's just going to sit out there and shoot threes. Like I'd much rather get a guy that's going to be an elite shooter rather than a guy that's a great shooter for his size. Cause like, that doesn't matter. Like I think ideally they'd rather move Tobias Harris to the four because like spacing wise, if he's your fourth best shooter on the court, or even your third best, that's fine. But most of the time he's been like your second or third best. So yeah. I think even moving him down to the four, um, adding another shooter like CJ McCollum, who's a guy who's just going to knock down 40% of his shots. Mm-hmm. Like that would be a huge addition. I think uh, even does Portland make that move though. I don't. I think they should. Like I don't see. I get that unless Dame's just like if you move, if you move CJ, I'm asking for a trade. Mm-hmm. Then anything other than that though, I'd be making that move a hundred times out of a hundred. Depends on obviously how much they want for picks and stuff. But if it's like straight up or like one or two picks, like I'd be more than happy to move that because. Constantly, the biggest problem next to Dame is that he's not a good defender. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to allow him to play off ball more. You're going to be able to stagger them enough. So you have two. I think you probably would could send a guy like Anthony Simons, who's been like that backup point guardish role or backup like ball handler role. Um, so you can move a guy like him and then stagger their minutes, uh, get some shooters around Ben Simmons, kind of build your team around Dame and Ben Simmons, which I think is a much better fit than. Uh, ben Simmons and Embiid, two guys that aren't really good shooters, and obviously Embiid should last. He was good last year, but you know, not going to be ideally like a spot up shooter, going to be spaced in the court a whole lot. Um, I, I just think that that makes the most sense from both sides. I, I just don't think Dallas, like I think Dallas should do that 100 times out of 100. Yeah. But even then, like, how much is Ben Simmons going to help you? Like, Ben Simmons is best with the ball in his hand. Luca's a guy who constantly has the ball in his hand, like, almost all the time. Yeah, he's, like, top two in usage behind James Harden or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, it's, like, I don't know how much a guy where his really only – his really only contributions offensively are when the ball's in his hand, right? Like, he's not going to develop into a guy that's just going to be a, a, a role man. Like, that's not the best way to use him. Like, you can find other guys that can do that just as well. So I don't really think that that fit makes sense. And I don't think that Philly would really want to take on Porzingis' contracts. I'm pretty sure it like just kicks in this year, right? Or maybe it kicked in last year. So there's still quite a few years year. left on it. Yeah. One I don't hate that I heard um, is like Colin Sexton and, and Kevin Love and maybe in some picks for, um, for, ben. for ben Simmons. Yeah. Because, like, I think I think Love just has one more year left. I think this is last year on his deal, maybe. I think maybe. this is last year on his deal. Mm-hmm. And either way, I think he played better than what he's shown. Because I just think he, he literally just mailing it in with that team. If yeah. he's, like, your backup – if he's, like, your backup center, then that's fine. Like, mm-hmm. he'll be a fine backup center on a competing team. I don't think he's going to be anything outstanding by any means. And then you have Colin Sexton, who, once again, is a guy that's a great shooter. And just provides more shot creations, more spacing for Joel Embiid. And I think you just got to think about ways to build your team specifically around Embiid. 
Um, let me grab my charger. I have one more question for you. Um, all right. Does moving Colin Sexton, would you, um, uh, who's the other point guard over there? There Something, is Garland. Garland. There we go. I was, I knew it was Sexland. I just couldn't think of the Garland. Um, is, is, do you think Cleveland is ready to punt on Sexton? Like, I, know, I think you've got to make a decision on one of the small guards that can't play defense. Like, yeah, I know next year they'll have to – his rookie deal is ending. They'll have to pay him next year. Um, yeah, like but, he can very easily walk and restrict it if they don't want to pay him this year. So, I mean, I think he provides a lot of value for both teams. That's an interesting one. I hadn't, I hadn't heard that one before. That's just I don't know. Like, obviously, it's not the best deal, but it's like I think if your back's against the wall, and then I think after that year, like I said, I don't know how much more. I I think Kevin Love this is last year on his deal. I think you're right. But if it is his last year on his deal, and then Sexton's gone, like you could create a lot of cap space that way pretty easily after the season. Then go out and maybe sign someone or do a sign and trade to acquire another star. But I just think you just need to provide guys that can shoot around Embiid. Because I think Embiid could put up MVP-type numbers. You saw last year without great spacing. And if he just gets a couple guy, a couple more guys that can just shoot around him, I think he can be in for, like, a absolutely monster year. As long as he stays healthy, of course. Of course, yeah. So. We'll see. I think, like, I seriously think that if they get another shooter, if they get a shooter for – um for Simmons, I think that he's my MVP front runner. Embiid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he so. he probably should have won MVP last year. It was just the games, right? Like if he would have yeah. played the same amount of game, like 70, uh, 70 games or sixty five games, he would he would have won MVP. But yeah. But I think he he missed, there was a stretch where he missed like twenty or something, right? Yeah. But there, yeah. But I mean, also with that though, there's a lot of guys that probably should have or could have won MVP. And because of injuries that uh, derailed them, like we said, KD was looking like he was an MVP. Then he missed a bunch of time. LeBron looked like he might have been the front runner for MVP. He missed some time. Someone else went down too that I thought was like had a really good shot of winning MVP. Dame, not Dame. I'm trying to think, I can't think. I thought there was like one more that was like really going off. Even like even Harden, like because Harden missed some time, right? Yeah. I think that would have been a lofty one, but it seemed like it went perfect. I mean, it pretty much worked out perfectly for Jokic, where just so many guys only had like 50 games played. So they just kind of gave it to him because he played all 72. And it was really good for all Jokic. 72. Yeah, no, no, not at all. But he, he played really well. Um, he He's deserving of an MVP. Uh, it just, there were there were times where Embiid, Embiid specifically looked unstoppable there there was a run where like i think the sixers went like i don't know they won eight or ten straight in a row and Embiid had 30 and 12 every game something like that yeah. but, i feel like honestly like it's like bam's like the one dude in the nba that can like consistently like stop him or at least like mitigate him to the point where he's not like just overpowering guys like on any given night he can just overpower pretty much anyone it seems like bam's the only one that really puts up a, a solid fight well, that's all I have for uh, NBA stuff, pretty Same much all here. stuff. So, 
Um, my week to pick, I'll, I'll make it a surprise again this week. I'll try and okay. get us uploaded bright and early Sunday morning. Good deal. Okay, peace. See you, buddy. I see she came with her but she gon' slide right to my side I know she pulled up with her friends Then okay, we skirt off in the bands oh, Took her back to my crib And I regret it Cause she trying to Feel like she asleep uh, So she tried to stay the whole week I'm like, oh nah, she gotta go uh, Ask me her name, I swear I don't even fucking know They wanna know why the girl them they for me Them I ain't green, them I ain't just shit on me They wanna know why them love him off so much Like what is the reason? Uh-huh. Mm, it's just the vibe, I'm that guy She put her legs in the sky whenever I pull up She got her clothes off from the walk And she won't waste no time, oh She don't want nobody else, I know but I can't be what she wants They all have the same story They all want me to themselves But I'm a jealous The city is my palace What I'ma do? Cause I want she and she and she And they love them some me I ain't the nigga they gon' say bye to I ain't the nigga you gotta lie to I ain't the nigga that you could trust on speaker When you're with your people Cause you know the timing I'm on I want she and she and she and they love them some me i can't even speak to all of them so i call her on the facetime she gonna pick up on the first ring well i gotta wrap around my damn finger i will never tell her so oh no no girl we grow life of the gallus